thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. Today's guest is Mrs. Bloodworth, is co-founder of Dry Powdered Works, DPW, and Chromatic Black. Now, Chromatic Black is a community of artists, activists, technologists, community organizers, and journalists working together to build culturally power through the reclamation of story as a public common. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so um, happy to be here. What a great day as we um, to be able to spend time with you as we end out this year. Absolutely. You know, I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you want them to know about you and your businesses? Well, I am, my name is Abini Bloodworth. And uh, for the last 25 years, I've been at the intersection of philanthropy and social justice. Um, and primarily my role has been to amplify uh, others' leadership um, as they attempt to uh, advance equity and justice in this world. Uh, and, and on the election of uh, Donald Trump, uh, I and uh, my fellow co-founder, uh, who both of us love story, um, began to think and dream about what we could do to change what we thought were underlining belief systems um, that were powering what we call, uh, if you know that story, uh, the um, began to, 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 to counter some of the, um, what we call the master narrative of Toni Morrison calls the master narrative. Um, and so we founded um, Dry Powder and then ultimately Chromatic Black uh, as a way to create, produce, and disseminate story that um, helps us to not only to remember um, who we are, but also help to deconstruct some of the uh, pain and rage and grief of the community um, in a way that can move us toward a better future. So when you talk about, talk about your, um, your other co-founder, I would like to give a shout out to your co-founder, your other co-founder. Yeah. So her name is Angela Harmon. Uh, she cut her teeth. She started, uh, working within the film industry. Um, she happened to work, to go to high school across the street from, uh, um, Spike Lee's production company. And she knew, then that she wanted to be in film. And so she brings um, close to 25 years um, working within the film industry. And she's, she's got a couple of Emmys under her belt. And uh, she's also a prolific storyteller. Um, and she, she identifies as a producer. And, um, and so we've been on this journey together to build and we're really proud of what we've been able to build in the last two years. Um, which is sort of a viable narrative strategy production company. Talk about you guys, your union coming together. How did that, tell us the story behind that. Ah, so uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend. Uh, 
and at the time, Spike Lee was the executive producer of a film, and he was in the last stages of financing and um, was raising some capital to uh, finalize the film. And uh, a mutual friend was providing some support. Um, I come out of a philanthropic sector uh, and uh, I was recommended to help them find what they call some finishing funds. And um, Angela, because of her time with Spike Lee, um, and then also she's pretty good at raising capital, uh, was also a part of that team. Um, it was right before the, um, right as the pandemic was, you know, probably like a couple of months, like in de December of 2019. And we were talking about the merits of the film and the story. Um, and we got to talking about the need for better stories. Um, and uh, she comes from, her father was a civil rights uh, attorney, uh, one of the last in the Bronx. And uh, I, my parents are artists. I, my mom was an artist, my dad was a carpenter. Uh, there was some synergy around, we were both sort of raised to not necessarily deconstruct for too long or to complain for too long. And it hit us like, while we're up here, you know, talking about what doesn't exist, what, what if we tried to create something new and better? And uh, so we forged um, a company. And uh, this, this came after like maybe about just three months of conversation about what could be potentially possible, uh, things that she'd learned from the sector. Uh, I shared my story about the stuff that I'd learned from the sector. Uh, but it was one of those meetings where you meet someone and you know and you've known them all your life. Uh, so it was definitely a soul recognition between the two of us. Um, so I think it was something definitely that was baked in spirit. Uh, uh, it's a relationship of mutual um, uh, perspective on the world. We have. Uh, uh, our values and beliefs, even though we show up very, I show up as an extrovert. She's very much an introvert. Uh, she's, she's quiet and um, I tend to be a little bit more volcanic, uh, but the partnership works. And, um, uh, and we started working and, you know, we started to build a team and, and what we found is that uh, unlike other partnerships that we both had in the past, is that things grow um, and that, you know, we could say something and it would manifest in 24, 48 hours. Uh, she pays very close attention uh, to uh, spirit as I do. And so we started to go, oh my gosh, did you see that? Or, or something would happen and I'd say, oh my God, we were just talking about this. Or, you know, we need an editor and, and this is the kind of editor that we would need and, and then, you know, 48 hours, a person would walk into our life and it'd be the exact person that we had talked about with the exact kind of attitude and character and temperament. And so oftentimes we were both just sort of amazed. And, and so we started to play with like, well, what can we, 
what can we grow in this world? Um, so, so that's sort of the seed. It was, we were in service to, to another filmmaker's vision. Uh, and, and then we came together and, and we were like, what are the voices? And we both had experiences where we had spent most of our professional life supporting leadership of others. Um, and I think we'd become really good at it. And then it was an opening where we were like, well, what do you want to say in this world? What do you have to offer? Um, does that make sense, Dr. Richardson? Hello? Oh, I'm sorry, I had, we do wanna welcome Charlie. Um, and we do want to say that this is a platform that um, if the audience or the listeners do have a question or would like to say something, we do welcome that. So we just want to thank Charlie for joining in. Talk about the name Dry Powder and um, Chromatic Black. Why that those titles, the naming of the business, how did that come about? So Dry Powder is essentially our holding company. Um, what we're focused on is not only producing cultural properties, you know, that reflect our own kind of artistic contribution to the world, but we also wanted to create an ecosystem that supported other creatives across 34 art disciplines in the development, financing of their properties. And Dry Powder, has uh, and so dry powder sort of sits all the technical, legal, marketing, communication support. Um, so it's it's essentially like a, a an incubator holding company. Uh, and dry powder is uh, one. If folks have hung out in the capital market space, uh, it's the money that hasn't been designated for use, um, and usually like. If you're trying to raise capital, you're, it's a slang word that's just like capital that, that, that hasn't been uh, designated for use. And so we thought it was a little cheeky as we began to talk to investors is that we'd actually be asking them for their dry powder. Uh, it also is the uh, powder with the, that, that causes um, the, the combustion so that if you're wanting to disrupt something, then then you, dry powder is that the, the ingredient that causes, you know, a great bang. <laughs> and so we love the kind of um, double entendre of the word, so that it that it make capital. So it would be something that investors would would resonate with them, and that we also were very much interested in disrupting the master narrative. Uh, you know, with the cultural properties that we would seed. Um, so that's dry powder. The production company is called Chromatic Black. Uh, we have a, uh, a young person that was on the team who's a visual artist. Uh, she went to Temple University and she'd taken a color theory class and uh, shared with us that Chromatic Black, the color theory is that the deepest shade of every color is black. And so what we know is when we talk about disrupting the master narrative, that we're essentially talking about disrupting white supremacy and all its mutations. 
um, and that at and that one of the mutations of white supremacy is anti-blackness. And so we love this idea of sort of, you know, turning something around the the turning, you know, uh, uh, turning. Uh, turning this anti-blackness on its head, but that also chromatic black was a unifying, um, very humanist kind of uh, perspective that allowed for the fullness of humanity and the diversity and nuance of how we show up, regardless of our shade to be at the table. And, and so those are the two names, dry powder works and then chromatic black. And Dr. Richardson, if you're talking, I can't hear you. I am so sorry for that. Okay. So um, we want, I want you to fill in the blanks. Thank you, pandemic, because. <sighs> Thank you, pandemic, for the unintended gift of um, time. Uh, the space uh, to explore the interior, um, for being able to work at home, um, and for all the folks around the world that got to think deeply about what was most important to them and, and, and helping humanity to center um, connectivity and community um, in a way that we haven't really med meditated on, I think, in a very long time. And so what is important to you? Justice, uh, love, uh, family, community, uh, good storytelling, <laughs> um, friendship, uh, and a, an, an optimal health and well-being for people, pets, and planet. So what can we do right now to help Chromatic Black and Dry Powder? Ah, oh, that's a good question, Dr. Richardson. Thank you for asking. Um, what I would say is, you know, join our chromatic.black Instagram page is chromatic.black um, and follow us. That could be something that you can immediately do. Um, I would say as we begin to roll out some of the content that we're really proud of, uh, um, and as we identify prolific creative artists, I would say to support their work, um, find, uh, begin to demand out of uh, Hollywood uh, more attention that's paid to authentic blackness as opposed to performative blackness. Um, that I say would be the ways in which you could help chromatic black, yeah. So the work that you guys are doing, is it a local 
Is it local community or global or national or all of the above? Yeah, so it's diasporic. Right now, this 2022, we're actually launching our reclamation and renewal tour. So we're doing story capture and storytelling, um, capturing the stories of COVID love stories and what we call our COVID stories. Uh, We're trying to preserve cultural memory. Um, and then also uh, illuminate that this pandemic has hit, uh, uh, you know, black folks, immigrants, brown folks, uh, poor rural communities across this country really hard. And, and it's because it's an endemic, so we think it's a pandemic, but it's, exact, it's exacerbated that out in this country, in the United States, we have a very fragile public health infrastructure. And so in our story capturing, because we consider ourselves to be narrative strategists, what we are discovering is that um, the, 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 the hesitancy for folks to take the vaccine is rooted in long history of uh, inadequate care or miscare that many people have experienced in this country. And I think that the way forward, what we're hoping is that people lift up their voices, that health access and health care and being able to trust your health care provider to be able to walk in and to, to know that someone is centering your well-being or your loved one's well-being is paramount. And that what we need to create in the U.S. is a culture of health um, and, to, and to strengthen a culture of health that is not just treat, treating like the symptoms, but is really focused on how we can be more well in our communities, right? And so this is our work for this year. And so we believe that how we tell the story, you know, who we're, we're coming up on Dr. King's birthday, you know, Dr. King, when he died, you know, was championing poor people's rights. Uh, he had an agenda um, that 70 years later has still not been um, actualized and that his legacy has been flattened to the I have a dream speech. And so and that we're also wanting to uplift all of the women voices that that we often don't hear about. We want to lift up all the men and that and that for there to be a Dr. King, that this was a movement of hundreds of thousands of people across this country. And so the work of Chromatic Black is we recognize that how we remember what we remember is a function often of power and politics. And so we're acting in agency and we encourage folks across the country to one, record your story, record your family story, record the story of COVID and how it's impacted you and your family. You know, think deeply about the meaning of it. And then once we are clear about the meaning, then what are we compelled to do? So the story is not just about capturing story, but that as black folks in this country, you know, I think that we are the consciousness of this democracy. We help to animate the democracy. And that is the power of our stories. Um, and so we're launching this reclamation and renewal. 
this is the work that we're going to do for the next 10 years. <laughs> and so we're like, you know, uh, let's reclaim, reclaim um, the story, which we believe is the first kind of building block of our own healing. And then as we heal, so does our country and so does the world. So what problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve, Abini? Oh, that's a big one, Dr. Richardson. Um, I, th- I think that the problem that we want to solve is the, is, is the, is how we see ourselves. Right. So we know that Hollywood, the 99.9% of everything that's produced by about 10 companies out of Hollywood is essentially white and male. Those are the people that are creating, producing and disseminating story. Uh, We want more voices, more folks uh, and more stories that reflect the fullness of humanity. Because there's something wrong about what we are consuming that tells us who we are. So we want to, so the problem that we want to solve is we are the stories that we tell ourselves and we need more stories that reflect back our authentic and noble self. And if we're able to do that, then the culture shifts that all of the fault lines, all of the things that you know, that, that, that we're all concerned about as a, as a, as a body, we believe that that is a way that it becomes uh, corrected. And so the, so we want to, the problem we want to solve is we want to reclaim story as a public common, like water is a public common, you know, um, all the things that we hold as a common that we all have access to. We, we want to begin to shift where story is not necessarily held by just a few people, but the stories are 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 our own. Like we get to tell different stories about how we see black fathers or black women or immigrants in this country. Um, so to reclaim story is a public comment. You talk about reclaiming story and how we see ourselves. So who is Abini and how should we see you and what is your story? Uh, So my story is I am a Southern born, the oldest of three girls uh, the oldest daughter of Airman Thea and Harvey Lee Bloodworth. Uh, I'm a product of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a product of Spelman College. I'm a product of a community of Black folks um, that uh, I got to see some of the most and be in community with some of the most brilliant, prolific Black folks in this country. Um, and I am a I'm a result of that. Um, My story is that I am a writer uh, who 
during my first convocation at Spelman College, my college president, who was Dr. Janetta Betch Cole, said that uh, the rent that we pay for living is service, and I believed her. Um, and that I've been a person who has always been wired to try to do do good in this world. Um, and I think that my kind of superpower is uh, the being able to listen and hear between the spaces um, and to interpret um, in a way that inspires folks to see the best in themselves. Um, and so, you know, I love stories. I love books and reading. I heard Oprah talk the other day and she was like, writers have always been her rock stars. And that resonated strongly with me. I'm very similar in that way. Um, but a person who, my story is that I firmly, unequivocally believe in the goodness of humanity and uh, yearn for more community and, and, and want a world where everybody gets to be on purpose and thrive. Um, that's my story, Dr. Richardson. It sounds a little cheesy, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good story. There are so many brands and businesses that are dominating. Talk about a brand or a business that's dominating that you admire and why. Oh, my God. I love Patagonia. I love the story of Patagonia. I love that Patagonia, um, in fact, we modeled our business. Like they have a holding company. Um, they are considered a, a, a public benefit corporation. So we, Dry Powder is a public benefit corporation. So not only concerned about the bottom line, but also doing good in the world. There's a set of metrics that are used to help, you know, guide one as they do business. Um, so we want to make a profit, uh, but we also want to not do any harm. Patagonia is that way. So they're very intentional about, you know, their mission. Uh, they are uh, innovative uh, when it comes to their product. Uh, they are, you know, very much focused on the quality of their product. Um, and sustainability is like the like the, the golden thread through all of their ventures. Um, and so Patagonia is a brand that I deeply, deeply admire. Um, and, uh, you know, and they make, they make money. They have a loyal customer base. Uh, they, they tell great story, you know, it was starting a tin shed and it was, uh, based on a need and innovation and it and it and it was very and it was like one brick at a time um so yeah patagonia patagonia let's talk about legacy when it's all said and done how do you want to be remembered <sighs> wow i want the stories My favorite writer, um, I had two. One is Toni Morrison and uh, Octavia Butler. 
And I aspire that my legacy is one of good that an excellence, like black excellence, black creativity, black innovation, um, that, that my legacy is that I helped not only, that I not only lived into my purpose, right? But that I, that I, that I, that I used my power to support others in living out theirs. Yeah, that's what my leg. That's 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 my aspiration for my legacy. That it was, you know, that I helped our community to dream and imagine our way into a future that reflected the very best of us. Yeah, that 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 that's it. I hadn't thought about that's that's a I hadn't thought about that. That's a good question. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think I, that that would be the legacy. What is the best advice you were ever given? Don't burn bridges. The best advice I've ever been given was do not burn bridges and to leave places better than you found found them to leave people better than you find them, to leave places better than you find them, um, and to not burn a bridge, to, to do your level best to, uh, which, which is grace, right? It's, it's, it's early on, I had an example of a person who, who, who taught me grace best advice I, I and that's not to say I haven't burned bridges I have um, but now you know I've been on the planet for a little while now and I and I recognize the wisdom of it leave people better than you find them leave places better than you find them Abini I want you to have a monologue and I want you to name this person living or not and they have inspired you so much Name the person and what are you saying to this person? Ah, um, it would be Toni Morrison, and I <laughs> it'd be Toni Morrison. Um, I am inspired, I am in deep gratitude for your example of loving yourself uh, even when in spite of what the world would have you to believe about yourself. Um, I'm in deep, deep gratitude. I mean, deep gratitude for your 
words and the power of your words and the uh, intention and the artistry um, and your characters and 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 redefining you know your uh, I, I'm in love with your joy your joy is a path toward my own personal liberation um, and I'm saddened that I I, I I have been I was saddened by your passing because it sucks to be in a world without you yeah, Tony Morrison. You know, um, we're going to step back a little bit. What was really um, something profound you mentioned about the prolific um, African-American people that you have had the opportunity to meet. And you were talking about um, Dr. Janetta Cole. Um, and I believe at the time she was your president at Spelman when you were there. Yes. And to just hear her speak and just how amazing she is, tell a story around, not necessarily, it, it may not be her, um, someone that you think that you've had the opportunity to be around them and just the words of wisdom. Share that story. <sighs> um. You know, I I have a very good friend who is um she she actually is my dearest friend and you know, she's she's a mother of three children and um she I have yeah, so let me tell you her and and we were having a conversation about reparations. And um, and she reminded me of and and you know at the time at the time I she said which was sort of inspiring she's like we cannot take the money because you can't put a price tag on any of those bodies at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. And I, and so she's a person who, who I, who I really admire because she's so consistent. Her character is so consistent and, and she's like me or my people are not for sale. <laughs> and for someone who has spent most of my professional life, like dealing in like the, the flow of money and and the flow of capital. Um, and, you know, every day is trying to like figure out in what ways is poison and what ways is not. I just found that to be so profound when she said, you know, me or my people are not for sale. And, and so I've been meditating on that. And then most recently, the reason I bring her up is I got to hear the story of a woman named, her name is Faith, and I'll remember her last name in a minute. But she's the 39th woman in a generation of Lakota healers. 
And she was telling the story of the Lakotas out of North Dakota and how the U.S. government has broken a treaty around their land and um, and essentially uh, paid them $100 million for their land. And so Faith was telling the story and she's like, they refused to take the money. They refused to take the money. And I, and knowing what that kind of money could do, I was like sort of shocked and amazed. And then she said that now that $100 million sits in a trust fund and now it's worth $1.2 billion, Dr. Richardson. And that the Lakota, you know, live in abject poverty and, you know, are struggling. And all the things that we know about our Native brothers and sisters, they suffer. And I was so blown away by the character, like the just the, not only just the intrinsic dignity of refusing $1.2 billion, but like the divinity, <laughs> the divinity of that. And then I remembered my friend, her name is Taki. And I remember Taki was like, me or my people are not for sale. And because we're in this business of storytelling, what has been really profound for me is that that is a belief system that is so counter our cultural narrative, right? And that here are these two women of color, one black woman from Louisiana and then Faith from Dakota. And I was, and I'm like, the reason I do this work is because I'm like, I need their story. I need this belief system, that this belief system needs to be amplified because, and I was, in, I'm inspired. I, I, just in the space of Taki and then in the, in the listening to faith, I am, I am challenged. I am challenged and I'm a better person. And because I get to like not only hear, but, and I'm transformed. Right. I hope I've answered your question, but, but those are like, like two, like people that no one here, like they don't, they're not like famous or, you know, um, people are like any degree of like wealth. They're accomplished in their own ways, but I, I, I am inspired. And so what I walk away with is we try to build this company and I, and we have ambitious goals for our company. Like, you know, we want to be a billion, we want to, we want to be a billion dollar company and we want to disseminate story across, you know, the diaspora and we want to compete with, you know, like we see Netflix and we want to, we, we want to employ, you know, artists and creatives and we want to build cultural power within the, you know, with, within the black community. Like, you know, this is not a this is not a small thing that we're that we're building. But I'm reminded by these two women um, to be extremely intentional about what we build and, and, and that it needs to be principled because we want it to be sustainable. And you talked about capital and money. How did you all raise the money to start your company? Um, so we started the company with our own money. <laughs> uh, we started the company with our own money. And because I come out of the philanthropic 
sector and um, we had relationships with folks that we talked, we shared the theory of change and, and we had um, an initial uh, philanthropist who believed in our work and they gave us uh, some patient capital. Um, and then we also were able to secure some um, government contracts. Um, and to date, we've raised about $4 million. And we've done that in the last 18 months. So are you guys a nonprofit? So the Chromatic Black is the nonprofit and Dry Powder Works is our for-profit. Thank you for that. Is there a social cause tied to the business? Yes. So the vision is reclamation of story as a public common. And uh, what that means is we, we go around and we mine for cultural properties and folks that are doing good work. So we work with the Luminal Theater, you know, out of South Carolina. Uh, we work with Emancipation Theater that's out of Denver, Colorado. We have relationships with Level Ford, which is a production company. Um, we work with black newspapers across the country. So we seed stories and we support their work and, you know, helping to inform the editorial staffs around informing a racial, having a racial equity lens around those stories. Uh, we have uh, 10,000 creatives across 34 artistic disciplines. Uh, we're currently in conversation, you know, we work with, you know, Warner Brothers and A&E and, uh, uh, we support uh, entities as a thought leader um, as they try to build in racial equity, you know, into their systems and processes, um, you know. And so, you know, we we believe that anti-blackness is sort of the root of a lot of the problems we have in this world. Uh, so we help black folks to recognize <laughs> anti-blackness when it shows up in and you know, just just when the family is together, and then we, and then we work with other folks to be able to recognize it when it shows up in in, in their spaces. What is something that you need that you don't have to move the needle forward? <sighs> we. This year has been really good for us, Dr. Richardson. We have been, we're ahead of schedule when it comes to our funding. And we, we're in a particular way where we, 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 the funding we have and going into this new year, we'll have a lot more funding. I think what we have, what has been really learning, a learning for both us, Angela, has been one time, because we're working 14 hour days, sometimes we work 18 hour days, because we're, you know, we're, entre you know, we're entrepreneurs, we're in the startup phase, 
We're trying to build systems. We're trying to build a team. Um, and then it's it's been this place that as we build the growth, we're in this growth phase where we're now having to build systems and onboard a team. And, and because we're so intentional about how we do our work, it's, it's, it's finding the combination of folks that are competent, but then also are cultural fits. And so our pain point right now, <laughs> our, if you had asked me this three years ago, I would have told you like, what? No. But the pain point is building a team. Like it's, it's, it's building a team. Um, and finding, you know, those rock stars. And, um, and we might even have to do some more fundraising, like finding the rock stars and creating space where we can attract some of the most talented folks to come work for us. That's our pain point. It's, it's, it's that, we're, we're at that stage of growth right now. Does that sound and, and, yeah. and that's a great problem to have, but we yeah. know the great resignation and all that's going on with COVID that it is a little bit challenging but we believe that you will definitely um, meet all of your goals and objectives. Well, thanks, Dr. Richardson. So <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, that's the work right now. Yeah, that's a great work. Yeah. So if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? And I want you to ask the question and answer it. Um, what is your greatest fear with your company? And I think, and, and I, uh, to be, you know, transparent into it, it's the greatest fear is is, is that what we are creating is received in the spirit in which we are building. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that it is something that is embraced by, by, by our folk, you know, we work, we feel like, well, I know that I feel and Angela feels that we work for our people. And so, we want to be approved of by our folks. Yeah, that's we 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 wrestle with that every day. So talk about mental health and managing your business. Okay, oh, gracious. Um not, you know, struggling, man. I <laughs> this <laughs> It's a great concept. Uh, 
um, I am proud that we did take time off. So, you know, I tend to, you know, take, shut down the 21st through the 25th of every year. Um, it was hard to step away, but I did it. Um, I, uh, Oh, our very first hire was Gerald Boyd, who is a transpersonal psychologist, and he's our chief of equity and justice and healing. And uh, Gerald has been really helpful. And so he gets about two hours a week with the entire team where we all the work we do is around centering. And uh, he is. He has been a very helpful person to me in just holding space. Um, and then we wanted to make sure that that the team, the staff also had access to him. We have both worked for, uh, we're, we're a mostly black team. And while you can have noble missions, we also were acutely aware of the toxic environment that many of our companies have. And so we wanted to guard against that. So, so we brought Gerald on and, um, and, you know, working with people and especially because of the sticky topic uh, and the trauma that we experience, you know, around racism and, and how it, and white supremacy and how it manifests, uh, is I do take a step back time. And so like I, you know, listen to music. I live next to a little tiny forest, so I take walks. Uh, but I could do better, Dr. Richardson. I I could do much, much better. I've gained a lot of weight <laughs> in the last 18 months. <laughs> and I can say it's the pandemic, but I think it's also the stress of building a business, you know? Um, I have found that I am... Usually, you know, for the most part, most people would describe me as being even keel and gentle. Uh, I found I've become impatient and snappy because I'm tired and groggy. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a good kid. I have good parents. I have friends. I have a great partner um, who doesn't have anything to do with the business, which has been great. Um, but I could do better. And, uh, so 2022, I'm actually getting a therapist and, um, my sister's a therapist and she's been telling me I need a therapist. And so, and I, I've been like, I, who gonna talk to me? Like nobody, can. <laughs> but this year I'm getting a therapist and, uh, centering, um, my spiritual practice, like, you know, as a daily thing so that I, like the meditation and, and the exercise, I got to exercise this year. Um, so, you know, I, it's a work in progress. I, 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 it's a, it's, I'm not the poster child. I, I can do better. Thank you for being so authentic on that. And um, I, it, it's so funny because if someone listened to the interview, they're going to say, we know many will, and they'll say, 
gosh, um, we talk about story and they'll say, gosh, Abini changed France's name. And so it's actually Dr. Francis Richards, but you can, it's okay that you said Richardson. When you say, uh, when you talk about story, I have two young ladies that I raised or not raised that they are like, I call them like my daughters and their last name is Richardson. So I channeling them because I see it. That is yeah, Dr. And, and believe it or not, one lives in um, Atlanta, Georgia. So at there, someone is probably saying, why didn't she correct her? But it's <laughs> perfectly fine. So Dr. Francis Richards, I am so sorry. And I'm looking. No, no. Apo- listen, no apology necessary. I just had to throw that in. So, oh, thank you, thank you. I don't even know where I got that from. That's I promise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Fun Facts Lightning Round, and I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I want you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the Fun Facts Lightning Round? Yes. Your favorite color? Green. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Your first job? Oh, I was a, uh, I worked at a library as a book. I put, put books on the shelves, the bookshelf. The last movie you saw? Swan Song on uh, Apple TV. You relax doing what? Reading. Your favorite singer or rapper? Gregory Porter. Your favorite dance song? Oh, uh, it's going to be so cheesy. It's the uh, P song. It's a kid song. Called the L E M N O P song. Yes. What food you eat every week, no matter what? Brussels sprouts. Your favorite month? July. Work out or hit the couch? Hit the couch. Abini Bloodworth, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Uh-huh. So I'm old schools. Drop me an email. It's a is an apple blood worth. Like how much is your blood worth? A blood worth at drypowderworks.com. I'll respond within 24 hours. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Abini Bloodworth. I will respond to those messages. I check that every day. Uh, you can visit us uh, at Chromatic Black on Facebook. And we also have an Instagram page at chromatic.black. Thank you, Abini. That is a wrap. Thank you so much. Uh, rare that I get to have so much time to talk about myself, Dr. Francis. (laughs) Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.